This is My Finest Work, where artists tell us the story behind their favorite projects to help us understand what makes a magnum opus. And here are your hosts, co-founders of Dog Ear Creative, Maureen Harmon and Patrick Kirkner. Welcome to My Finest Work. Today's guest is Maximatic, also known as Maximo Tuha. He's a Barcelona-based artist and image maker. His work has been exhibited in galleries in Barcelona, London, Madrid, New York. He has worked for schools such as Monmouth, Wharton, Bernard, UT Arlington, and with brands such as Nike, Wired Magazine, Newsweek, and The New York Times. He is founding member and director of The Weird Show, showcasing in exhibitions, internet and printed matter, the most outstanding contemporary collage worldwide. We talked with Max about his own creative process and how setting boundaries for your work can help you break out of a creative slump. I want to kick off with Patrick. Patrick and I were saying is probably the most obvious question, but can you tell us a little bit where the Maximatic name came from? Okay, that can be a long question <laughs> to answer. <laughs> the short, the short question is that in I started communication at the university, and I started um, being interested in graphic design and later on in illustration. And after some years working on graphic design, I started give, in, get, um, getting more and more doing uh, illustration stuff. And I submitted something to a magazine to to pub uh, that I wanted to publish some illustrations that I was quite happy, but I wasn't still a bit confident about my work. So hmm. I, I wasn't sure about sending those illustrations with my real name. So I came up with a name. So that that's where Maximatic came. Your name is like, it's a defense mechanism that became your brand. You're hiding behind your name. It's... Yeah, that's a bit of story of my life. I want to get into the work that you sent to us, but can you talk a little bit about your process? Are you kind of a creative who works in the morning? Uh, do you kind of have a specific place where you work every day? We're just curious about that. I'm a day person. I My functioning hours are early in the morning and late at night I start decaying and my brain doesn't work anymore and I've been like this since ever and so mostly I start working quite early uh, I, I work at home I have a studio here and my process is it's it depends if I'm working on commercial or editorial illustration or at my art projects mm -hmm. They're not two different processes, but two different ways of, of approaching the, the stuff I'm working with. And it's mainly based on the material I have to process. As you know, I'm, I work with collage. My editorial and commercial work, it's mainly digital collage working with my computer. Most of my art projects are paper-based, so I cut and I glue paper <laughs> onto any surface. <laughs> That's super interesting, Max. And sorry to interrupt you, but so in all of my work with you, it's been digital illustration. Do you have a separate process for digital illustration versus your physical cut-ups? And obviously, other than the format, is your creative process different? The creative process, in, yeah, it's quite, yeah, it's different. I, I, I'll say it's different, mainly because with the illustration work versus the art side of my work, I need to clearly communicate stuff and it's not so much about how I feel or about 
ideas that I want to put in my work, but I don't need to express them in a clear and, a, and direct way. So the goals that I set when I work with my commercial or my illustration projects, they're defined and I try to be as, as clear and as direct as possible. Also, working with collage, it's, it's quite uh, sensitive, the copyright and the legal side of, of my work. Mm -hmm. So it's not the same to make like a, a collage for myself that I maybe I will share in a, I don't know, in an art show, but it hasn't, it won't be like published in a magazine or a newspaper or on a, on a TV commercial. So I can use an old picture without being worried about someone seeing it and feeling I'm... I'm making millions with it because <laughs> my artwork, yes, I do sell my work, but I really sell little compared to the illustration works that I, that I do. So when I work on, on, on illustration work, I, I have to like, be very careful to use the proper images with the right clearance of, of, of rights and all that legal stuff to avoid any weird surprise. <laughs> so I want to stay on that track for just a little bit. Sure. It's, it's interesting. One of the first things that drew me to your work, other than the collage style, which I'm a huge fan of, was that as an illustrator, you are such a clear communicator. And so I find it interesting that you're able to code switch back and forth between you know, what you're calling your art side. I'd say your illustration is also art, but the art side where you're really just tapping into your feelings and whatever unintended metaphors might go out there versus when you're doing an editorial illustration that has multiple layers and all of those layers are very intentional. It's just interesting to me that you're able to flip back and forth as seamlessly as you do. The thing, I, I guess this is some way related with my, the path I took to find my, my, uh, yeah, my voice as an illustration, it's related with my... Uh, the whole path I started, I, as I mentioned before, studying communication. And at least in Argentina, when I, where, I, where I studied communication, journalists, like, study that. And nobody who wants to make something visual goes to that mm, career and, and, and reads the stuff that I had to read. It was like, I enjoyed it and I liked it very much, but I was more trained to be a writer or something closer to the academia, and by any means, uh, something related with, with visual arts. Uh, I had only one um, subject. Is One of the courses was graphic design, and I was really excited. And when I started going to graphic design classes, I had to read about the theory of perception. I had to read, to, like, I didn't make any logo type. <laughs> Nothing was. <laughs> so the closer I, I had to, to visual things was reading about theory, about visual stuff. So I mainly, I think I was trained to express my ideas verbally. And that helped me to have like a, a clear mm, way to understand ideas and to put it into words. And then I had to, to learn the other way, like to putting words and ideas and concepts into images. So I guess that helped me to to be able to go to the like wilder side and <laughs> the the art to call it somehow side and, and do more it's not experimental but more uh, abstract work but then connect to my journalist me that I'm I, I never worked as a journalist in my life. I never wrote a single line <laughs> but I guess I was trained to be that and somehow I can connect to that part of my brain. 
But it's partly why your work is so great, right? Is that you you are able to you have that that background for what editors and writers are looking for as they're trying to narratively tell their story, um, and you approach it visually, which is it's awesome. Thank and you. it's Thank also you. it's also interesting. You know, every artist comes to their where they arrive at by their own path. Some people are that I've worked with in the industry. They knew they wanted to be an illustrator since the time they were five, and they just pursued that path. You are the opposite end of that spectrum. When was that? Uh, when did you hear that? When like when did that happen? So it was a really slow and organic process, really, really slow. Uh, in fact, um, I started communications. It, I was eight years in, in college. I started uh, economics. <laughs> I've done that for two and a half years, and, and I realized that I couldn't, like anything related with maths, I w it will be a total failure. So I, But it took me two years and a half <laughs> to put you know, a picture of, of my, my time of the time I need to find things and to settle on <laughs> my, my decisions. But then studying communications, I started uh, working with fanzines and independent publishing. But I really wanted to write. I didn't want to design. I didn't even was interested in design. Uh, I didn't know what design was. But at, at the same time, I, I was really into skateboarding and music and punk rock and many things that it took me ages also to realize that there were lots of visual inputs. And I was like a really lousy skateboarder, but I knew all the names of the brands. I could draw the logo types. I knew the, the, the different uh, illustrations on the boards. I knew all the visual culture of skateboarding, but I didn't know how to make an Oli. To, and the same with music. I, I, I play guitar, but I, I was really into the covers, into everything that, that dressed the, the music culture. I was into it. Uh, and then when I started making fanzines, I was the only one with a computer with a page maker software. And it was <laughs> the, like, previous to Quark, previous to <laughs> InDesign. <laughs> Shout out <laughs> like, to PageMaker. Yeah, I'm with you. <laughs> <laughs> it was like 1995. Like yeah. there were dinosaurs the early, on the streets yeah. chasing yeah. <laughs> other dinosaurs. <laughs> So I, w I was in charge of designing it, and then like, I, I found that I liked it somehow, and I liked the challenge of fitting the words in the space. And we were like into Dadaism, and we were into like early avant-garde art movements for the 20th century, uh, situationism. Things like that, that we were like uh, taught in uh, at the university. So. I started like trying to make like these weird texts. So I started making collage at the same time. And so that's where it, like that was a seed planted on my brain. And when I finished the school, uh, the college, I, I said, okay, I want to do work on design. So I started doing like a short course of art direction. There I met a designer that she thought I was doing okay. So she hired me to work with her. And that, then I started working as a designer. And at the same time, I kept on doing like independent publishing stuff that involved a lot of illustration. You're my spirit animal on the other side of the world here. Like, <laughs> I play guitar, I skateboard. I love to do like the nerdy back end stuff of design. It's like everything you're saying, I'm sitting on my hands here going, yeah, 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 yeah. But so to bring it back here, like it makes sense to me that you, you started off 
you know, do with this DIY mentality that is carried clearly carried through the fact that you designed fanzines does not at all surprise me looking at your work today. It's very much of that same cloth that sort of just sort of like cut up, figure out a way to make something with basically as little as you have, right? Like you take yeah. the raw materials and make it work. <clears throat> DIY. Uh, I think I'm related to that mm, like way of approaching stuff for two reasons. Uh, the first one, I grew up in Argentina. And Argentina, it's a beautiful country with lots of beautiful things, but it can be tough sometimes. It wasn't really tough for me. I, I like, I hadn't got any any like huge problem, but the whole country uh, and the way it works, it makes you need to improvise to, like, you need to be DIY because if not, if you're waiting for someone to help you, someone to put things, of course, my family helped me, my friends, you have a, like a really close-knit community and uh, people are really supportive, but I see the difference here. I've been living in Spain for 20 years and people here can afford not to be DIY because there are other ways to achieve things. So. DIY comes from the context the, of the specific country I was I, I grew in, and and then I was really in contact with with uh, I wasn't a punk rocker with a mohawk and all the stuff, but I loved the idea of punk rock. I loved the idea of like the small groups of people that gather with a common thing they share and they build something from scratch and it becomes meaningful for at least a small group of people. And I did so many things with that approach and that like DIY ethics that I, I can't <laughs> right now. I need to keep on <laughs> going that direction. Like I, I think I owe so much uh, of what I could, I can know of what I'm today because, but what I have achieved, I, it was things of like trying and doing and learning and learning by doing and making mistakes and correcting and it works for me i don't know if for everyone but for me it works quite well i i think that's a good segue into the idea of when you sent us the piece that you wanted to talk about today you said that it opened your mind to a new way of doing collage. And so I'm curious if you can just start by telling us about about the piece you chose and why. And then I'm I'm really interested to hear about how that kind of opened your eyes to a different way of doing things. Yeah, the piece the piece that I sent, I it's called Untitled Whatever because at that time of my life all my art pieces were called Untitled and they had a number probably or something related to the to what happened in the picture. And that's part of a, of a series of collages, of paper collages I made in, it was late 2014, early 15. And the thing that I had, I was invited to make a solo show here in Barcelona in a really cool gallery. And it was December, late December, and the exhibition was opening in February. I needed to create lots of artwork, artworks. And I couldn't find like some inspiration. I couldn't find what to do. And I've been doing collage for quite a long time at that moment of my life. But I felt 
I was repeating stuff that I've been seeing or that I, that had inspired me. I knew that I hadn't found my own voice or my own way of of working with collage. And at that time, it was almost Christmas, and we rented with some friends a house to go um, in the mountains for Christmas. And I knew I had like some like four or five days there that I will have plenty of time. And so I needed to take something to make collage with. And I found a small block that I had, like, it wasn't important for me. It was like just a block of four inch square papers, color papers. They were made to be like a calendar or something like this. They were, they were like brown, green, uh, orange and black pieces of squared papers and only four inches 10 centimeters and so at night when all the kids went to bed we opened a bottle of wine and we started um, talking and chatting with with our friends and i just grabbed these small pieces of paper and without thinking too much i started like cutting in some weird shapes that i haven't cut it before but i, I wasn't thinking about those shapes i was just I was like enjoying the wine, enjoying the conversation and like feeling that I was doing something related to what I really needed to do that was make new collages because I needed to open an exhibition in two months. So I spent like three or four nights um, cutting really small papers of really uh, like coral shaped things. So I went back home with no collage done, but lots of lots and lots and lots of this this color papers and small pieces and coral shapes and and then I said oh this is interesting what I thought that I I wanted to start trying and doing stuff with those papers I cut it it took me like a couple of weeks and in a couple of weeks I found like whoa this is nice it, I could like working with a limited palette of colors that w were the ones that I had in this block helped me to like have like a more solid like uh, yeah approach to color at least before I, w I worked with any image I had so the, the amount of color was uh, was really wide and so combining these these small pieces with uh, black and white images became something at least for me something new something that i haven't seen before something that i felt related and it took me like a couple of weeks to realize that those shapes were the shapes that i drew when i spoke on the phone or i was attending meetings and i did without thinking it was like my my automatic way of doing nothing and something at the same time was drawing those kind of shapes and going into like old notebooks i had like hundreds of notebooks with with silly stuff nothing like really beautiful or fancy but writing the things i need to do that day or um, taking notes on a on a meeting or whatever my mind channeled into the <laughs> into the cutter without me realizing i was cutting that so like that, as, I, as you said, like for me was like a door to explore on one way, on one side, like not only working with the images that I was working with, but also with the way of cutting paper. 
and I started like working and focusing more and more and more on 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 the way I cut, on the shapes I cut, and how I can. Um, because before it was okay, I need to like find many images that work together, and since then I need to find like only one or two images and find a really interesting way to make them work together and this took me years to develop working with so little colors also fed back into my commercial work and i started working more with a limited palette i thought okay because when working with commercial or editorial illustrations like i use image images taken from i don't know shutterstock or banks with some images taken from there are okay, but many are not. So the way I found to make them interesting is mostly playing with colors and texture and adding like layers of of colors that add information and help to to support the narrative I'm trying to convey with the illustration. But also take like the ugly side of the images I'm using. <laughs> <laughs> and adding some, add some like beauty into them. It's interesting that it was such a subconscious thing that led to a very deliberate process. Like you were it basically took, cutting your doodles. Yes, but to be honest, it took me like a lot, a lot, a lot to realize that that was like, it wasn't like, oh, these are my doodles. So it wasn't right. as present as that, but it was still something that I've done for a long time. So there's an interesting tension of letting go, but also building some parameters around it as well. The idea of limits, it's like uh, something that it's embedded in my work, even since I started working <laughs> as an illustrator or as an artist. Limits are always something that I take very seriously into consideration because as the time that I realized that not drawing it was something that it wasn't a limit, but just an opportunity to find another ways of expressing myself. And I could see the, the positive, side, uh, positive side of not knowing how to do something that it made me want to investigate, learn. It made me want to like make tutorials of <laughs> whatever. And also related with pataphysics, something that I mentioned before, I was really into a, like a literature group uh, created in the 50s and 60s in France called Ulipo, Olipo in Spanish, that it's the workshop of potential literature. And this is something that blew my mind when I learned about it. Some ri French writers, uh, mainly Georges Perec, Raymond Quenot, and a couple more, but uh, Italo Calvino also was part of this group, I think. And they wanted to mix maths and writing literature mm -hmm. so they created very very like rules very uh, weird crazy or yeah, rules but strict rules to create texts so their idea was the rules are like machines are limits and are like devices that helps us to create texts and just to put once one one example um, george Perec create uh, wrote a novel called the void uh, in 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 English, um, call uh, he wrote in in French. In in French is like the the separation. I don't know the, how to pronounce it in French, but he wrote a complete novel um, without the, using the letter e in French, which is the most used letter. But 
he had to find the words to express the ideas he wanted to express using mm, words without the letter E. So that's only a simple rule that like, make a, a huge impact, had a, a huge impact in, on his creativity. So oh. I took that kind of ideas to my work. And mm, for instance, when I start a new series, especially the, the ones I make, uh, not the commercial work, but the art side of my work, I always create that kind of rule. So I will, I want something from this magazine, this magazine, and only three pieces. And I have to create something like with this irrational, but really uh, not interesting, but they're like boundaries to help my creativity to spark. Because collage, you can make collage with everything, like the mm -hmm. sources that are endless. So always like putting some kind of boundaries help you to not to lose on the, all the possibilities that are almost infinite. I was going to ask how you perceive your work as in, in what I mean by that is as a writer, I can do something and I'm on deadline and I have to you know, I have to let it go or whatever that is, but I'll, I'll kind of go back and read it later and say, well, that wasn't, that wasn't so bad. I thought it was awful and it wasn't so bad. And I'm just curious about how you kind of go back and look at your work. Are you able to sign off on a project and go, I feel good about that? Or does it always feel like this thing that you could improve upon? I do believe that in, I'm learning all the time. My, if you see my work, uh, like five years from now, it's not, it's not that it was, not as good as now, but it, it's evolving. So having that like approach to my work, I know that nothing is final, but I probably will do it different now, but not better and not better. I don't, never have like the idea of my work being good or bad. Someone will like it more, someone will like it less. And in when it's illustration, I can say if it can communicate something or it doesn't communicate something, but Working on, on, on this, on illustration, on art, there's so many chances of people saying just what I feel and sharing their opinions. And I, I guess we are all right at some point because we, have, we are entitled to say what we think about what we see because it speaks to us in, a, in different ways. So one of the one of the big softball questions that we had for you was where you go for your inspiration. As we were talking, I found it interesting that you keep dropping references to novels and writers and writers groups and Dadaism. There's not much like visual reference in there. Like, do you look to artists? Do you look to music? Do you look to writers? What's your where do you go for your inspiration? To be honest, the idea of inspiration, I don't feel very close to the idea of inspiration. For instance, the thing is, I'm not good like copying stuff, even though if I wanted to. For instance, I played with a, in a group and my group partner told me, okay, listen to the, this guitar line and try to make something like on that mood. And I couldn't do it, even though I really tried. <laughs> and of course, I'm, I, I, I have lots of inputs as everyone. It's not that I'm a separate <laughs> entity uh, who is not in contact with anything, but I think things like enter somehow to my mind and then they come out in a way that I'm not really aware. So 
when I chat with people or when I like go and, and make a lecture or I have to talk about my work, then I see what I've done for the last time, the years or whatever period of time like I analyze. And then I start finding, oh, look at this. This comes from here and this comes from there. And But when I'm doing stuff, like it's not that ideas like fall from the sky and... I just work and I always need to do stuff like I, what the first thing I do is I write I write some words phrases I don't sketch with a with, with a draw I, I sketch with phrases and then I start drawing stuff and when I start start drawing stuff like I realize that some things doesn't work and some things do work better and so I do have lots of literary references because I I love reading but I, I I do love like artists. It's not I never look to artists, but I'm not sure I I look at artists as a source of inspirations to to create my work. I love John Baldassari. I love so many Basquiat. In the collage community, I have so many artists that I really, really, really love. Thousands, millions, <laughs> but but I enjoy their work. But I don't I don't know if I if I look at them like as a as a way of evolving my work because even if I wanted to I can't and I would love to because I would love to have like a more rational approach to my work this has been a great conversation um you've just been a joy to talk to and even though you talk about your process is kind of organic it the way you talk about it is is has been very clear and helpful and it's just been a great fun talking to you thank you thank you so much thank you for listening to my finest work If you liked this episode, please subscribe, rate, and review us. And please reach out to us with your feedback and ideas at mfw at dogearcreative.com.